and welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast. This is the Let Us Explain a Few Things edition. It's Friday, November 10. And before we get started, I do want to encourage you all to subscribe because we have so many places you can, you can subscribe to the Press Gallery podcast now, including Stitcher and iTunes and Google Play and anywhere you find podcasts, basically. With me today, I have my legislative colleague, Claire Clancy. Hello, Emma. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Paula Simons. Happy Friday. And to you as well. Very happy Friday. And Graham Thompson. Hello. How are you today? Good. Well, very good. good. You looked a little surprised when you said good. I get yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always surprised when I'm good. <laughs> so we're going to explain a few things to you this week, uh, as was uh, referenced in the house this week, of course. It's not going to be called mansplaining, though, here on the podcast. And let me tell you why. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to call it grainy-splaining. Grainy-splaining. But that could apply to both you or Yuri. That's right. My husband and I could both, I guess. But uh, he's not here, so it's just Emma me. Splain. That's true. Emma-splaining. I'm the only Emma in the, in the newsroom. Anywho, we're going to talk about uh, why... Rachel Notley didn't get in trouble, actually, for accusing somebody of mansplaining this week. We're also going to explain where the Gay-Straight Alliance legislation is at. There's been some... Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, argy bargy, argy bargy, or argy bargy, as uh, Jason Kenny likes to say. And finally, we're going to explain some new rules around pot. Exclusive oh, on that one from from Emma. That's right. And you will explain that. I will explain. That will be Emma explaining, mm-hmm. like for real, legit. So first of all, let's talk mansplaining. I now. This happened in the, in the House this week. Um, Greg Clark, the Alberta Party leader, got up in question period and asked the Premier Rachel Notley a question about pipelines. And then he proceeded to say, I can't believe I'm having to even ask this question, but did you know that there's an environmental benefit to pipelines? She then got up and said, I would thank you very much not to mansplain pipelines to me. He called a point of order and there was uh, much kerfuffle and uh, the Speaker had to make a ruling the next day. It was actually interesting to watch Greg Clark was absolutely ropeable about the whole thing saying I am not a sexist my strong single mother raised me in such a way that I would never mansplain let me let me explain to you how having a good strong mother has made me a good man (laughs) so the speaker ended up ruling that it's fine to use the term mansplaining uh in the elected house of representatives in um where are we Alberta (laughs) <laughs> yeah, see, and this Paul, is, you wrote a column about I this. Did. I had Why so did much you fun. write a column about it? Well, what tickled your fancy about this whole situation? It's two things. I mean, I'm a I'm a parliamentary uh, history geek. Right. So I, I love the fact that there's a whole list of words you cannot say. I mean, way longer than George Carlin's words you cannot say on the radio. And I actually got my good friends at the legislature library to find me a list of all the things that speakers have ruled unparliamentary over the years in Alberta. I mean, they're, they're, they're the obvious things. You can't ever call somebody a liar or say anything that in any way implies that they are dishonest. Which they do anyway, but carry um, on. <laughs> and, and you can't call someone arrogant or pompous or, you know, you normal things. Um, in Alberta, we seem to have a weakness for calling people animal names. So I learned there are all kinds of things you cannot call someone. You cannot call someone a gerbil, a mouse, a monkey. You cannot, you cannot refer to MLAs as froggies in a pond. 
or trained seals or barking dogs. Um, I think the house is poor for it, frankly. <laughs> so, so, so whole, you, know, you can't call someone a weasel. There's a whole menagerie of, of animals you're not allowed to reference. You can't say that somebody needs to have an operation to have their tongue attached to their brain. Uh, and, and my personal favorite is you can't say that the member opposite has no idea where his wife is. Uh, oh, <laughs> so, wow. Zing. So, you know, as, as I read as I read through this list, which dates back to 1905, you think, you know, there's some really colorful things that people have said in the legislature over the years. Although I also looked up, I didn't get to put this in the column, but I looked up things that people have said in Australia and New Zealand that got them in trouble. Uh, and in Australia, I'm afraid the things that people have said in the legislature, I cannot say on the podcast. <laughs> and I certainly couldn't say it in print. Because calling somebody a D-I-C-K-H-E-A-D in, in, in classic Australia. In, in class- so so the, the, the thing is... Um, I think Greg Clark was mansplaining to her, and I can tell you that as a woman journalist on Twitter, I know mansplaining when I see it because <laughs> I get it all the time. Uh, I had a I had a noted local male progressive writer explain to me the other day why I was being a bad feminist about something, and and I said to him, I want to thank you. It's so lucky in this age. You know, who said chivalry was dead? I'm so lucky to have a man out there like you to explain feminism to me. And then he blocked me. So, <laughs> so do I think? Do you I win? Think, do I think Greg Clark is a horrible sexist troll? I do not. Do I think that the tone of his question was condescending, absurdly so, and met the definition of mansplaining? Yeah, he's going to explain to Rachel Notley just in case she didn't know that there's an argument to be made that pipelines have an environmental upside with when she's been setting her hair on fire and saying that to New Democrats. Uh, for months and months now. I mean, I understand why she snapped, but I still think the speaker made the wrong call. I think it's clearly unparliamentary language. You don't get to call people names. You don't get to people, if you don't get to call people pompous and arrogant, then you don't get to say they're mansplaining. Well, the argument around this as well, um, once the point of order was made and then it proceeded to be a 10-minute debate on this point of order and everyone seemed to want to get their two cents worth in, but the argument was from, um, from Starkey, actually, Richard Starkey. He said... Well, basically, saying somebody is mansplaining is the same as calling them sexist, and you can't call someone sexist, so therefore you shouldn't be allowed to say mansplaining. And you can't call someone arrogant or pompous, which is, I think, even more what mansplaining means to me. But can you say that someone is being condescending? Is that parliamentary? Because you could argue that mansplaining is like a synonym for that. I'm not sure really where I stand on the issue, but. It's you don't, just you don't a have thought. a very <laughs> a set position on this, not heating up. No, your... I think mansplaining is a stupid word. I think that it's used a lot lately, and I'm not exactly sure why. But um, but I think so. The, let me explain. But I <laughs> but I think the I think the no, bigger no. issue here, though, is that like a lot of female uh, politicians, after we're talking uh, like during the ends, we're talking about um, just that there's overall they feel like maybe they're more condescended to than their male colleagues, which you know, given you know, sexism in society in general, it's entirely possible. So I, I just found it an odd, an odd question from Clark, you know, because Notley knows all about this and it was an odd way to phrase a question. I can't believe I even have to ask this question. I know. And, uh, no, and sweetie, I, you didn't have to ask the question. No, and you know, he, he knows that she knows <laughs> the argument in favor of pipelines because Notley's been doing it over and over again. So I, I thought it was at least a very odd way of saying it. And I don't know what his motive was for putting it in the form of a question. And mansplaining, I, I don't know. It, it was, a very least, a condescending type question, 
when we know that Notley knows all about it. And I thought it was kind of a case where he maybe didn't even have a real question that day. And I thought, oh, I'll just, I'll just throw this one out. Well, they've been given so many extra questions now. He's maybe got just... 10 <laughs> in every two weeks as opposed to eight. So maybe he was at a loss for... The thing is, this is the whole thing here, is that he was fighting to get more questions for his caucus. There's now two of them as opposed to one of them. He does have more questions, and he wastes it on this really stupid question to the premier. Yeah, so I mean... Would he have asked the same question of a, of Darren Billis or Brian Mason if they had been, uh, you know, the senior minister in the House that day? I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, if, if they had, it would have been an equally dumb question. He wouldn't have been vulnerable to the accusation of mansplaining. But, you know, I, as I said in my column, it's a bit like watching elite soccer players, you know, especially as, as was it was it Sean Butts who said, especially the Italian ones? I don't know who said it was, especially the Italian ones. You know, Sean Butts have to, <laughs> the photographer in here right now is chuckling to himself. That's right. He is Paul, a you're all over football. You know exactly he, what that means. He, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a soccer aficionado. But, you know, like when you're watching elite soccer players and suddenly, you know, one of them gets kicked in the shins and they go down and there's this whole oh, yeah. kind of, you know, 19th century melodrama like, oh, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying. And everybody rushes out into the field and Oh, I mean, it, it's the antithesis of the way, you know, in hockey, you're supposed to shake it off, right? So in soccer, it's this whole dramatic production. And then that person who's perfectly fine gets up 20 minutes later and scores a goal. So, I mean, this is... This is this is how the legislature works, right? I mean, <laughs> Rachel Notley's like, oh, I am I am so offended that Greg Clark would ask me this question, and Greg's like, oh, I'm so offended that Rachel Notley would think I'm a sexist, and so you know, it it is it, that how Greg Clark sounds. <laughs> <laughs> this is basically a play by play. This is like being there. <laughs> Claire very kindly taped for me uh, Greg Clark's comments, and that is basically how he sounded. He's like, oh, I can't believe anybody would ever question my feminist credentials. It's like, oh, could we all stop clutching our pearls and pretending that we're either of you is actually really offended here. I mean, right, but, this yeah. is, but this is the kabuki theater of the Alberta legislature. And I kind of love it. I mean, this is why when I filled in for Graham, I love to sit up in the gallery and actually watch them because I, I'm a theater critic. I'm a theater buff. And, you know, a good, good political theater. Is it a waste of time? Of course it's a waste of time. But, you know, they're in there a long time. They might as well have a little fun for us. Worth pointing out, too, that in uh, in March, um, yeah, in March, Mug. Uh, Margaret McCaig Boyd, the Energy Minister, McIntyre from the wild, then Wild Rose Caucus asked her a question about electricity and he threw in some mansplaining there, according to her, and she got up and said, how dare you mansplain electricity to me? I'm the Thank Energy you. Minister. I'm the energy, exactly. And so then, of course, Wild Rose notes a point of order. So then Shannon Phillips yells out, you snowflake. So then <laughs> Wild Rose gets up and notes another point of order. <laughs> And then all you see in Hansard is the square brackets, many honourable members. And then the speaker says, <laughs> two points of order. Okay, noted. Please stop it. <laughs> <laughs> and that day, actually, Mug McCaig Boyd then left the house and um, Darren Billis was left as a deputy whip, I think, or whip to um, defend the, the house, house, leader. House, house leader at the time um, to defend against the point of order. And then he kind of said, well you know what, fine, uh, we apologize and withdraw the comment. So at the time, the speaker kind of said, Howie, everyone just, you know, be careful of the language you're using, kids, play nice in the house. But it did get technically withdrawn and apologized for. So Is the term snowflake parliamentary? I believe that was part of the apology and withdrawing of terms. Right. <laughs> I mean, if, if, you can't, if you can't call someone a fat wingless duck... 
<laughs> and you can't. That's on the list of things. If you, you know, if you can't say somebody has the longest tongue and the emptiest head, and you can't, that's on the list of terms. I mean, but that's so good. I know. I mean, I have. I have to say that Claire is right. Mansplaining is an overused term. It's very lazy and snowflake. Also, a very overused term. I think we should go back to the good old days where you got to, you know, accuse people of having drinking problems and not <laughs> and not knowing where their wives were. You know, much I'll more. Just, it's a cool. lot more theatrical. <laughs> <laughs> Just call him old dickhead. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move over to um, Gay Straight Alliances and Bill 24. Uh, we, of course, explained the intricacies of this bill. We had Janet French in, the education reporter, to explain this bill and uh, what it's about. So, of course, debate has been happening on this uh, in the House this week. We've seen some very passionate speeches about uh, the bill, about what it means for kids, um, about MLA's own experiences with GSAs. Uh, we've also seen yesterday the United Conservative Party put forward an amendment as I understand it, it's translated by, by Janet French to me. What Mike Ellis's amendment proposed, right now, if, you, uh, if your kid is in a sex ed class, and yes. they're going to teach them about the birds and the bees, um, you get a notice home. And if you don't want your kids to be taught about the birds and the bees, you have the right to withdraw them. So the argument was, well, what if GSAs are just a backdoor way of teaching sex ed? Um, and so they wanted to take out the clause that said that GSAs are not covered in this sex ed uh, exemption, which would essentially allow them to notify parents, if it's, they if and that's what schools have done in the past is that they've used that as to say, well, in GSAs they are teaching about sexuality, therefore we can send a letter home because they are teaching about it. Uh, the problem is, of course, they're not actually teaching about it. That's what the NDP is saying, that they're not teaching about it at all. It's a club where they discuss it for sure because they're teenagers and teenagers tend to talk about sex and those kinds of things. Oh, not so much in a whole room in front of a teacher. You know, I mean, I think it, there's a confusion here. I mean, GSAs, as I, as I have seen them through the eyes of my daughter and her friends and in my journalism are primarily, let me stress this, they're not sex clubs. People are not having sex at school while their teachers supervise. It is not a course in, you know, how to put the ins and the outs together. It, they're social clubs where gay kids can come and talk with other gay kids, but more importantly, with their straight allies. They're called gay straight alliances for a reason. I mean, kids come together in solidarity. They stand up to bullying. They stand up to uh, exclusion. They order in some pizza. They have a bake sale. They organize a dance where you can dance with whomever you want without feeling that you're going to be laughed at. Uh, mostly, they're pretty boring, and lots of cool gay kids don't even want to be in them anymore because they're not super exciting. Uh, but Jason Kenney and his colleagues certainly imagine them to be a good deal more exciting than they actually are. Is it possible that at some gay straight alliance somewhere in Alberta, someone brought in a guest speaker who actually did talk about sex ed stuff? Yeah, I think that is possible. And I think that, you know, there's a grounds to question whether parents who have specifically exempted their kids from sex ed, uh, if that's going around what what the parents want. Uh, but I don't think most GSAs do that. And at the end of the day, uh, if if the province says that kids have a right to join these clubs and that outing them would violate the FOIP, the Freedom of Information uh, and Personal Privacy Act, then uh, then that's then that'll be the law. The UCP came in with this when they did this um, 
amendment yesterday. We asked Jason Nixon about it during INS. And what they're also saying, they have cause to believe that in the future, perhaps, that GSAs are going to be used as a place to teach sex ed. And that's why we need to make sure that parents will always know wherever their kids are learning sex ed because they've seen some evidence that in the future, perhaps this is what is going to happen. With their psychic magic time machine glasses. He referenced some documents from the ATA. It was no, the thing like about the ATA, a there's a actually an ATA guideline for teachers dealing with GSAs. Right. You know, what, what they're all about. And it gives background. And Kenny began misquoting from it yeah. on Tuesday. He Distorting had his news conference terribly. to come out. Now, and this is him saying, um, we're going to fight Bill uh, 24. And here's why. And he begins this big, long speech that talks about the UN and the rights of parents. And then he starts quoting and misquoting. He begins cherry-picking uh, segments of this uh, guidebook for teachers dealing with GSAs. And he was saying that this is going to be used to teach sex ed. This is the NDP getting around um, you know, Section 50.1 of the School Act so that, so that they can actually teach the curriculum. Uh, and sex ed, and that's not what the handbook even says. And so, so Kenny is uh, once again. This is quite a quite a lot. He'll actually, I would say, he massages history, the facts, and he is certainly distorting what the um, handbook says. And what I found interesting as well is that they're fighting Bill Twenty Four, saying we'll give teachers the the, the right to be gatekeepers on whether mm. or not to tell parents, but the teachers don't want it. The ATA which represents 46,000 teachers. He never talked to the ATA. ATA's been trying to talk to him about it. He doesn't pick up, apparently. He doesn't respond. We asked him why he hasn't talked to the ATA. He says, I don't believe the ATA speaks for all teachers. Well, I mean, <laughs> that that is... Just 46,000. <laughs> but, but here's the thing, you know, I... I read through every line of Bill 24 this week for my sins, looking to see where it says that teachers can't do this or can't do that. It doesn't ever speak to teachers at all. All it says is that it's up to principals, that they basically, the principals can tell parents that there is a GSA in the school, but principals can't send out a membership list. And then it gestures towards FOIP and PIPA, which would be the privacy legislation for private schools. Mm. And it says you have to abide by the terms of FOIP and PIPA. There's nothing in there about sending teachers to jail or charging teachers or firing teachers. I mean, if a teacher outed a kid maliciously, I, you know, it, I suppose it could be up to the ATA to have a disciplinary hearing. Um, it, otherwise, uh, you know, if kids' privacies were violated, it would have to be up to the privacy commissioner. This isn't something that criminalizes teacher communication with parents, and that's almost what the uh, UCP is, is trying to make it sound like is happening. But I have to say, I want to gesture back to a brilliant column that Graham wrote about this the other day, because it's become really apparent to me that this is a strategic genius stroke by the NDP. Because here is Jason Kenney making effectively his debut as the UCP leader. Uh, this is the first thing the UCP is going to litigate in the House. And instead of being able to come after the NDP on uh, economic issues, Notley has completely wrong-footed him so that he has nailed his colors to the mast to come out gay bashing. I mean, and he stepped right into the trap that she set for him 
It is remarkable. He is like ticking off the playbook of all the things that the NDP said he was going to do. And the NDP just have to sit back and say, see, we told you he wasn't a moderate. See, we told you this is what the UCP was going to be like. And somewhere, Brian Jean is laughing and yeah. laughing and laughing. Well, we'll see who actually votes. It's interesting. The, uh, in the votes in the House so far, the UCP mm. has had very few members come out yeah, to no seven or eight there. people. Yep. It's like a quarter of their caucus has come out to actually cast a vote against it. Yep. Most of them just don't want to turn up for it because I think that they are afraid of being um, cast once again as being too extreme, uh, too socially conservative. The thing about this, though, is that, yeah, he's fighting it right now. This is Kenny. We asked him on Tuesday, okay, you don't like Bill 24. If you become premier, would you repeal it? And he said, I'm making no commitments on this. I'll talk to the members at our founding convention next year in May. What that tells me is, yeah, right now he'll fight it. But what's going to happen? It's like Bill 10. It gets passed, and you know the world goes on, and no one really cares. They'll pass Bill 24, so the NDP majority. Give it a year from now. Kenny does not want to refight this. He will not come back in the election campaign and say, I'm going to fight to get Bill 24 repealed. He'll move on to things like the economy, the carbon tax, the deficit, and the debt. Those are the fights he wants to take into the election, not Bill 24. Also this week, Leela Rahia, who was the only UCPer to applaud the um, introduction of the bill. Of course, no one has voted for it, nor has she. She got up and did a speech about it. She has some concerns about it, and she has said, I support GSAs. I, I consider myself an ally. She made a funny point, too. She didn't know that her son was in a GSA until all this thing came up. And she said, I had no idea he was in a GSA until he kind of told me and went, oh, you know, I was in a GSA. And she's like, what, were you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, this this is the thing. I mean, GSAs are chock-a-block. I mean, I I said this on our little Facebook Live cast yesterday. I was the Rachel Berry of my high school. I would totally have belonged to a GSA because they're like, you know, that's where the earnest, the earnest, you know, the uh, <laughs> the social justice warriors of tomorrow are, are hanging out. Well, she's in an interesting position, too, because she supports GSAs and, and gay kids, but she has actual questions about the bill. But her asking those questions puts her in the boat of she can easily be painted by the NDP then as, you know, being a homophobe or being against gay kids or being against GSAs. I thought her questions were perfectly fair and reasonable. Mm-hmm. Very and, reasonable. And, and, I agree. And, and a model of, you know, if, if Jason Kenney, I, I think there are some questions about Bill 24. I think it's written mm-hmm. very broadly. I mean, it basically says that any kid who marches into a principal's office and asks to start a club gets instantaneous permission to start a club. Um, I mean, that's... That's, there are some there, that's, there's some that's, danger to that. There's some sure. ca- there's some careless wording because you know what if the kid walks in and says I want to start white the, supremacist club. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, a white supremacist club. I I want to start a you know a, an ISIS fan club. I mean, a Paula Simon's fan club. Just think of the horror. Um, <laughs> You're equating that with an ISIS fan club. <laughs> so you know, I mean, if if you've written a piece of legislation that is so broad that it basically says any student can instantaneously demand a club and the principal has to provide a supervisor right now. Uh, I, I, mean, I think I think there are some legitimate questions to be asked about about the wording of this bill, but you don't do it by doing as, as Jason Kenney's staff and Derek Fildebrandt did by saying that it's a way for five-year-olds to be taught about gay sex. I mean, oh my God, it's so odious to sort of it's not a dog whistle. It's more like a foghorn to say, oh, <laughs> they're coming. You know, the gay socialists are coming for your five-year-olds. That, that is not what we're talking about. It's interesting, though, um, how he's trying to, Kenny's trying to frame it in terms of parental rights. 
whereas mm. the NDP is looking at the student rights. So he's hoping that that, that plays with more than just um, the right-wing conservatives, that other parents be thinking, well, gee, are they stepping on my rights? Because I was talking to the Wild Rosers back when there were still Wild Rosers about this issue of GSA. It's interesting, of course, um, people were fighting against um, GSAs in, in, uh, under Bill 10 now have no problem. In fact, they like GSAs now. It's interesting how things do actually progress. But the Wild Rose was saying they've seen some polls showing that, yeah, parents want to protect the other kids who are in other families from bad parents. <laughs> but yes, not from them. <laughs> exactly. I'm a good parent. I want to know what my child's up to in school. The other parents that are bad parents, yes, protect those kids. Yeah. But I want to know what my child's doing. So you have this dichotomy that the other people are bad, but I want to know what my kid is doing in school. Because I'm good. Hmm. Yes. And I think that, and the thing about Bill 24 is that if you really do have a good, healthy, open relationship with your kids and parents, the, the bills are relevant to you. It doesn't affect you, so don't worry about it. It's for people who don't have a healthy relationship with their children and children who are afraid to come out to their parents. That's what the bill's there Kids for. Kids aren't always necessarily afraid to come out to their parents because they have a bad relationship. They're just not really sure about who they are, what they're feeling, and whether they're comfortable telling anyone about it at that That's point. Right. You know, so and if you're a straight kid who joins a GSA, do you really want your mom and dad to get a letter home? <laughs> you know, it's just people sh- People just need to calm, calm the heck down. I have to say, though, I was quite moved uh, when I read about Rick Fraser, who was a former PCer who's now sitting as an independent, mm. um, who sounds like he gave quite a beautiful uh, speech about why he was voting in favor of the NDP bill and how he's had a change of heart about this. Mm. It's uh, That's powerful stuff. I mean, when when you see people actively changing their minds as their life experience opens their eyes, I think that is a I think that's an important thing. Yep. Okay. Now, finally, let's move on to explaining marijuana. And this is this is Emma's scoop, an ex- exclusive Great story. <laughs> the latest in the Mary Jane report. <laughs> you guys are embarrassing me. Uh, yeah. So the NDP is going to introduce legislation next week in the House about how legalized marijuana will be sold. Uh, when it does pass the OK on July 1st, 2018. So we're going to see privately operated brick-and-mortar stores. So you can walk in, just like you can get your liquor now, you can walk into a store and pick and they up your weed. they should be called hemporiums. They should be, Graham. Hemporiums. Do you think you can get that passed as an amendment? I'm, I'm going to get that uh, name, actually. Um, hmm. I'm going to own that name. Okay. The second part of this, it's a hybrid model. So online sales, which will be allowed as well, will be controlled by the government. The idea idea behind that is that for the safety of kids to make sure, you know, 11-year-olds aren't just ordering a whole ton of weed online and then um, When they go to the GSAs. Because online sales, I'm glad because we've said before that, uh, you know, I was in favor of the idea of private private stores selling this. I don't know that I'm in favor of online sales just at, at all. all. Well, in, now here's a funny I mean, I know it's, I know it's 2017 and all, and we're, you know, Amazon delivers your everything to your house, but yeah, why yeah, what about convenience, Paula? Yeah, <laughs> what about convenience? Also, if you're in smaller towns, may not ha- get a, a pot shop yeah, or that, a hemporium that is true. <laughs> right away. In Australia, actually, um, we were grappling with this question, not about legalized weed, but about online sales of liquor, because... You have to be over 18 to drink. So then how do you make sure that teenagers aren't getting their hands on, I don't know, bottles of penfolds that are getting delivered through a wine club or something? And But there it's privatized. Anyone can kind of, 
if you've got a liquor license to deliver liquor, you can do so. It's just you have to check the ID when you're handing off the goods. But, and but are they you... making decisions about edibles still? Like, do no, we that's, know the federal doing? government still hasn't made any decisions on that. And now it's worth noting too, the provincial government is still waiting on a lot of information from the feds. They're still waiting to know how legalized marijuana, legal marijuana will be taxed, how much money they're even going to get from it to start with. They're still waiting on rules about edibles. There are still a lot of things to sort out, to hash out, if you will. <sighs> Ha 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 ha! So, so how, do, how about marijuana? How, how <laughs> pot kettle black? How how, <laughs> how unoriginal? How how are the online sales going to work? I mean, do we know? Don't know the details on that yet. Now, the legislation is going to be introduced next week, so there will be more details in there, I think. But yeah, I mean, they're going to have to set up a whole system here because it's not as though Alberta has a system of online liquor sales even set up through the government or anything, I do know, they? Other provinces do. You can get you know, the, the Wine of the Month Club in Ontario. Yeah. In BC, I think. And I don't, I'm, and I don't buy liquor online, so I don't know just how prevalent it is in Alberta. Well, they're going to have to set up something in Alberta, right? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, there is no infrastructure right now in order to sell anything online. I, I think like the main thing here is they're going to allow privately owned stores to mm-hmm. sell pot, which, you know, as opposed to um, government run uh, shops or operations. Hemporiums. I think either could be hemporiums. Um, We we saw AUPE, the uh, largest union, uh, 93,000 member, Alberta Union of Provincial Employees, had their um, convention uh, about 10 days ago or so, two weeks ago, and they were all in favor of having government own stores because ours are there would be AUPE members running these stores. So they were saying let's do government owned stores, bit of pressure on the NDP to support this because of course AUP supports unofficially uh, members support the NDP even though the AUP has no official stance on, on uh, politics. But I think this is a smart move by the government that they'll be privately done, be more efficient, they can deal with the risk and the province doesn't, or the government doesn't get labeled once again as being too too pro-union. Yeah. And it allows us to, you know, make fun of Ontario, which is always... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be so interesting to see how it's rolled out across provinces because I think, I do think the NDP would have been shooting themselves in the foot a little bit had they just gone publicly, um, in t- like entirely publicly for stores. Yeah. I, I read this great column by Graham Thompson that said that, if, one. that if the NDP, you know, <laughs> wanted to be one-term wonders, right. they would go with public stores and, right. you know, and get the AUP. But, you know... For, for all the reasons Graham has just enumerated, private stores make a lot more sense. I mean, let let private entrepreneurs take the risk. Do you really want your government, you know, uh, building the infrastructure, especially because they don't have liquor stores anymore? Exactly. Right. I mean, they would have to actually build things, build things, and staff things, and and let us let us be honest. We already have a fair number of hemporia, uh, that being the plural of hemporium. Uh, we have a fair number of hem- <laughs> hemporia. You're just showing already. off now, Paula. <laughs> My daughter's studying ancient Greek at university. So, is it is it Greek or Latin? Hemporium uh, is yeah, it's Latin actually. Mind sorry. you, I don't oh. know how <laughs> I don't know how much risk there would be. I, I can't imagine July first, twenty eighteen, rolling around and suddenly Alberta's like, you know what? We don't want weed. Nah, we're good. Like I think there is money to be made. Oh, here. I, th- I think there's money to be made, but let but let, let the government make the money through the taxes. Yeah, um, hopefully they do. And and July first is coming up soon. Like so it is, it's. I think it's going to be so interesting because I. It's so soon to be rolling this out. Yeah. So, there you have it. There are some rules around weed. You're welcome. Um, well done, Emma. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. I don't feel condescended to at all. I just, I just feel enlightened. 
<laughs> now let's move over to our regular segment, Good Stuff from the Gallery, in which we recommend things that we've read or seen or listened to in the last little bit that we think you might enjoy as well, dear listeners. Claire, what do you have for us this week, mate? Um, I'm going to recommend a podcast, as always, <laughs> because this morning I listened to a great one while I was walking to work. Um, there's a new podcast through Gimlet called Uncivil, and it's basically unknown Ooh. stories about the American Civil War. Yes, um, that sounds amazing! It's really interesting, and it's kind of told from a modern perspective from two African-American men, so it's obviously kind of has that perspective, but it's very very interesting it ties into modern day too it sounds really really yeah cool. it's all about and it does bring it back to race relations and what's going on maybe right you now can send a States. link to john kelly <laughs> paula what do you have <laughs> uh, it's a fascinating piece from the guardian it's a, it's a couple of weeks old now but i just i think everybody should read it by andrew brown it's called the war against pope francis Ooh. and it's about schisms oh. in the catholic church and the and the pushback that the current pope is getting from conservative forces within the church who are very, very angry. Uh, and it's just a, a really interesting look behind the red velvet curtain. I loved that piece this week. It was really, yeah, as a former Catholic, it was <laughs> very interesting. <laughs> um, I'm going to recommend a piece from Australia, as I sometimes do. It's called Out of House and Home, and it's a piece on ABC Online. It is fantastic. It's a personal stories of people who live in a caravan park that was built for millions that was bought for millions of dollars by developers and they're all being turfed out. It was about the reaction that they were getting from people in the town who judged them for living in a caravan park as ne'er do wells. We, 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 we would call this a trailer park here. Trailer park. There yes. you go. Thank you for translating, Paula. <laughs> <laughs> did did I, did I Paula explain that to you? That's you right. did. Thank you. <laughs> Um, like low, like low heat last week, low heat. Um, but yeah, it's a fantastic piece. It's it's wonderful and and very rich and about the humans in this trailer park who are real people. There's retired police, um, postal workers, who have lovingly tended their homes for so many years and are now being turfed out. And it's all legal and it's their story and it's very very good. Uh, Graham, what do you have for us? Um, okay, this is a um, something I, I did not enjoy reading, but. Um... <laughs> You I'm too pass it on. cannot enjoy reading this. Um, <laughs> it's a blog post, uh, Ted Byfield. Oh, okay. dear. Ted Byfield writing on GSAs. He, didn't, he doesn't call them GSAs. He calls them sex clubs. Uh, this is a blog that's been quoted by Christian groups, right-wing groups against GSAs. They call them gay clubs, lesbian clubs, sex clubs. They, they will not acknowledge there's a need for them. In fact, quite the opposite. And here's a quote from this blog an idea of where people are coming from in some areas of Alberta. Quoting, If my son or daughter, having reached, say, the age of 10 or 11, is lured into a school sex club, is persuaded that he or she must be homosexual, acts accordingly, acquires HIV and then AIDS, and remains crippled for life, whom do I sue? The government or the minister that helped bring this tragedy upon us. End of quote. Wow. This is Ted Byfield. He's, he's a close friend of Kenny's. This is him saying that these sex clubs are bad and they're going to indoctrinate our children to being homosexual. I mean, so anyway, this, is, this is vintage Ted. Right. But this is I've, a reason I've, why we need Bill 24. Um, anyway, so that's a blog, and he does blogs like this from his point of view. Uh, freedom of speech and all of that. Excellent. Thank you for that, Graham. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for joining me, Claire, Paula, Graham, and videographer Sean Butts here to film some of this and put it online at edmontonjournal.com where you can find all the past episodes of the Press Gallery. Also, you can subscribe and you should subscribe because we love you and it makes your life easier. 
not my life, just yours. And I'm here for you, guys. So thank you so much for joining us. And um, see you this time next week on the Press Gallery when I'll be a Canadian citizen. Hooray! Yay! Yay!